You are listening to the Eating Disorders Recovery Podcast with me, Tabitha Farrar. Hey, welcome to this week's podcast. So this week, you're going to hear the conversation that I had with Kayla Rose Kotaki, who is also a recovery coach, and she has recovered from an eating disorder herself, which is why it's cool to talk to her. We talk about her recovery journey, which started with uh, bikini contests. Well, that wasn't the recovery part, I guess you could say, but that was the downside, I think. That was the downhill part. We talk about how she got out of all of those and the diet culture that she was really quite entrenched in. And also, you know, when all your friends are doing the dieting thing, it's really even more difficult to get out of it that way. Um, And we talk about the recovery processes and things like eating lots of food and the fears that come up when one's doing that. So, yeah, general recovery stuff. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Here's Kayla. The Everything started back when I was like a teenager and I had, um, mine wasn't necessarily because I wanted to lose weight kind of like your story. It wasn't like I had severe body dysmorphia and I was always, you know, and I didn't purposely go on a diet, you know, it was just like, it led me into it under my nose and I didn't even realize what was happening until one day I woke up and I was like, oh my gosh, uh, I actually have a problem and what have I been doing? But then when you start to look at it more, you start to see well, there was a little bit of that you wanted to manipulate your body for a certain reason. And you're like, I didn't even realize I was doing that that whole time. But it was coming from a place like that I did want to control my body and and act to um, get attention from someone. So I'll rewind and I'll say that I had, you know, some sexual trauma that happened to me when I was 13 years old and so that led me into some other behaviors to try to suppress and distract and then you know have that dance of pleasing other people and getting their attention and an act to compensate for what happened which led me into you know like drugs and alcohol as a teenager and then it led me into a bad relationship that was very controlling and um, very appearance-based and made me feel horrible about my body who was also into bodybuilding. So that led me into exercise. Like when I was a teenager, I did not want to go to the gym and, you know, just, it wasn't appealing. I was always into sports though. I was always very athletic, like a tomboy. And that was fun to me. But the moment I started to go to the gym and doing it for vanity purposes, that's when everything changed. And then I just I don't know, something shifted and I stopped doing sports and I just went into the gym and then um, doing yoga, though, like a couple times a day along with the gym. And I was always against bikini competitions personally that felt weird to me, you know, and um, even though I was exposed to it a lot, um, I just I had this desire to get into the fitness modeling world, though. Um, So Lo and behold, I ended up training for a bikini competition because of the gym owner that I was going to talk me into it. And um, so, yeah, that's where a lot of the trouble started was um, over-exercising in the gym and then doing the restrictive dieting, you know, chicken and tilapia five times a day, uh, like a fourth a cup of oatmeal, and that's it, you know? 
Right. No salt, no oil, just very strict and clean, as you would like to call it. Um, and you're getting gratification because someone's saying, hey, you're doing great. You should be in a bikini contest. And then you've also got that to fuel even more motivation to continue to not probably just restrict and work out the way that you were doing, but even at a greater level and things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it pushed it. to be Yeah, you hear that. And you start to get all this attention when you look a certain way, which is very underweight, very lean and not natural for my body type as a female, especially, Um, you know, I wasn't having my period and my hair was falling out and I was so fatigued. And um, yeah, it's like you look fit on the outside, um, according to our culture standards. And but on the inside, I felt like death. I felt like I was dying. I my heart. You know, I had a couple heart scares where I felt like my heart was going to stop on me from not only like malnourishment, but also the stimulant drugs that came along with it. And just, you know, the just the over exercise on the body, just all of it. And um, the stress too to continue to live like that because that was not sustainable. And I knew it deep down, like, how am I going to continue living like this? Like, this is hell, this is miserable. And, but then you have this community that you've built and then you feel the pressure that you have to continue to look like that or else that you failed. And so it's a whole shit storm. And before that, I wanted to add, I forgot that um, before I would use like stimulant drugs like Adderall and stuff to suppress my appetite um, to not have to eat because it made dieting easier. But I didn't know I was dieting. I didn't, I wasn't aware but yeah, so I used stuff like Adderall and stuff before that and all competitions. You know that bit that you said about um, you, you develop friends in the gym and, and kind of the community around it? I hear that a lot when I'm telling people that they need to stop exercise. And um, I think that uh, it's, it's a harsh reality for some of us that we get so sort of like streamline obsessed with exercise or something that we kind of forget about all of our other friends if we you know had them and do start to just only make friends with the people that we want to be like or that reinforce our exercise and and stuff like that and I think it can be really difficult in recovery because you sort of realize I don't really have any friends not really they're all just like exercise people yeah exactly and they just fueled the fire because um they all just it was a certain talk it was like very dysfunctional talk like just always you know focusing on an obsession on food and our bodies just always you know like pinching at each other and looking at each other and commenting on oh yeah you look super lean and ripped or whatever (laughs) but like I had this gym partner that would always tell me you know like bodybuilding or bikini competitions or whatever is selfish in its nature and you have to be selfish. Like, you can't have relationships. You can't have a life outside of this because you have to eat on the dot every two or three hours. You have to exercise for hours in the gym every day. And on top of that, you're already, like, in that starved state to where you tend to isolate anyway. So it's just, like, so much is going on. And, yeah, you're really unhappy. And then people think, oh, but you must, your life must be perfect because you look that way or you have this following or you have this community and it's like it that's only a part of the story and you don't get to be inside of the mental and the physical and it is not glamorous no. at all no and, and, and there's no freedom there either 
no, yeah. Yeah, no freedom. Um, and then, so after that, like, I got to the point where I was fed up and I was done and with that part of the journey. And so I just left, it was like a ghost town and I left my coach and the community and everything. And because, why? Because after that last competition, of course, I was binging and had extreme, extreme hunger. And I didn't know what was wrong with me. I felt like a glutton that something was wrong with me and how could I just lose all my willpower and control that I had maintained for so long? Yeah, I think it's I think it's really common. I've like worked with and known a couple of people who have been in this this bodybuilding cycle, and I think that it's really common that once the competition's done or something, then they have a binge. But that's the bit that nobody talks about in those sort of circles. Like no one talks about those bits and what it does to people. And because I guess they feel that they've completely fucked up. So they don't, they're not exactly going to go to their coach and be like, so this happens, but it, it happens. I think it happens to lots of people. Oh yeah. There's a lot of secrecy that goes on, but then there's also the cheat meals that people like to say, and that's just a glamorized binge. That's like, an okay binge in that community but really like a cheat meal then turns into a cheat day and then it turns into a cheat weekend and then you get back on track on Monday and then the next weekend you have another binge and it's just a same the same thing with different terminology and a different um I don't know it's accepted in that community right <laughs> yeah yeah and it's somebody actually I think brought up something that I looked up yesterday just because I was like, I don't even know what this is. This is how like much I'm out of the fitness world now called bulking and cutting. And oh, yeah. I think that's, that's like, that is basically a binge restrict cycle, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you have this off season or whatever you want to call it too, where, you know, you're, it's just like when you're going through recovery and you have like edema and the weight gain and your metabolism is trying to balance out and you have that same thing, but then you end up, uh, doing the same cycle over and you do the cut again and then your body doesn't have enough time to actually heal and so uh, but they don't realize that but it's glamorized I don't know but it's like the same thing if you could understand the similarity there with um, starvation and refeeding absolutely yeah I was just reading what that was on some like men's bodybuilding bulking and cutting I was trying to understand I'm like this is just binge restrict yeah it's just exactly. kind of like organized yeah <laughs> and that's yeah. scary because it's in health magazines and things that this is how to do this which it's in magazines now it's all over the place and if you think back before like people used to look down upon it or they would tell females oh you don't want to get too strong or you know or even guys like girls would be like oh no you don't want to be that um, lean, it's scary. You don't want to be that big, it's scary. And then now, all of a sudden, because of how this happens and the conditioning within our culture, it's as if, you know, it's it's okay now because what happens if it's, you know, mainstream in the media yeah, or yeah. on social media? Yeah. Yeah. This is completely, this is a little bit off topic, but I was thinking about it the other day. It's kind of related that. Um, my husband and I, we've been like all over Christmas and still up till now. We've been watching loads of 70s films and 80s films and like some really old films. And I was just noticing that apart from people like Arnold Schwarzenegger, who I guess he was more 90s anyway, but he's supposed to be like the beefcake and it's almost like comedy that he's so muscular and things. 
like most of the sort of just run of the mill um, heroes or in a, in a films were just kind of like not massively bulked up and not massively ripped. But now, if you look at films that are coming out, most of them are, and it's just interesting to me that the the good looking guy now is kind of like ripped, whereas before in in films in other eras, it wasn't really as much about that. Yeah, it's so true, and I was just. Um seeing that too in like a comparison of action figures for oh. like for example Luke Skywalker from like the old Star right. Wars to he's not be- he's not like ripped is he he's just normal he's just normal and then now it's like this you know like you said like the chest is ripping out of the shirt and like super big and bulky and so yeah so even young boys have this like stigma you know that they have to live up to and it's changing but like just before yeah it used to be not um widely acceptable or laughable and now it's completely normal and looked up to but back to your story okay (laughs) so you were yeah bodybuilder obsessive and then what led to you just going can't do this anymore not doing it anymore that what what led to that so like I have that mindset where if I set my mind to something I'm going to do it so like um in the bikini prep because that takes months you know like cutting and just dieting so much cardio and depleting with diuretics so you're dehydrated and um so unhealthy so like every morning I'd be crying like I hate this so much like why am I doing this but like I was paying a coach and I'd put so much into it that I was like I'm just gonna do the competition and then after I'm just I don't know what I'm gonna do but I'm not doing this anymore and so yeah I was just done because my biology was winning you know I couldn't control it anymore like it was like you need to eat and so I had to eat because I had no control and so, you know, we don't really have control anyways in this situation, right. but right. so, yeah, so I just went on this like binge spree, but I was still holding on to, cause I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know that the restriction was a problem and that the restriction and the overtraining was actually leading to the binging. So I kept in this, like what you said with your story, I stayed in this restrict binge exercise cycle for so long. And so at that point, I still didn't know anything about binging. I thought I had binge eating disorder and I was going to go to Overeaters Anonymous. Like, you know, like I thought that it was a problem, but I still was like really lean at that point. But I thought that I was just blowing up and I had the body dysmorphia that I never really had before. Like I just and now looking back, I'm like, how could you even think that you you weren't even big or anything? Yeah swollen like later on that I had later on into my recovery so after that I was like I need to heal myself because I had all these digestive problems I was so bloated and I had a bowel obstruction and um, I couldn't digest anything anymore I even won an award at my job at that time for being the most allergic to everything (laughs) because yeah because like that's what happens like a lot of people actually develop digestive problems, IBS, autoimmune disorders, all of these things from restrictive dieting. Yeah, because your body, because you just basically get out of practice from digesting it, don't you? When you haven't been yeah. eating stuff. Yeah, exactly. So the worst thing you could do is avoid even more foods and then weaken your digestive system and organs even more. <laughs> but why were so, they giving out awards for that? I don't, I don't. They, You know how like they gave out 
different awards for each person's skill or a personality trait or whatever. Okay. That was the joke. Okay. You know? So it was, like, it, was, it was like for fun. They weren't really like, yay, you're allergic to all this stuff. Yeah. Sad, like a bittersweet, like, haha, yeah, that's funny, but man, this sucks. Right. You know? So how then, because I know that that's a really common thing also for people who are in recovery, but then usually what happens is, is it freaks them out and they're like, I have all these digestive problems, so therefore I need to eat less. So how were you able to understand that you needed to eat more rather than less? So yeah, that's the hard part because like I thought, so this extended after this for another couple of years. I didn't even, I wasn't aware of recovery or I still thought that I needed to eat less and I needed to restrict and I needed to gain back my control. So the next couple of years was me trying to gain back control by, this is when I went on all these healing fad diets that are out there today, like GAPS. Um, paleo, vegan, raw vegan, juicing, cleansing, fasting, like all of those things to try to heal myself. Um, and it just made everything worse. So what finally led me to that was, I think we talked about this briefly in that interview that I had you on my YouTube, but it literally, it just happened. Like um, once I was out of control and I was in a situation where I was with someone that um, understood what I was going through and they had gone through it too. They just told me like, I need to eat. And they sat me down and they fed me and I was kicking and screaming. And I was like, no, like I was pissed at them. And I was like, you don't understand. Like, no, like I'm, that's going to kill me. This food is going to kill me. It's so unclean. It's horrible. It's toxic, but I ate it because I had to, you know, and then that just turned on that switch in my brain like, okay, you're not in a famine anymore. You got to eat. So again, I went on another like several month long binge like I did before a few years later. And this time, luckily, I looked into it more and I just researched online and I found, you know, different blogs. And um, at first it was still like vegan recovery. And then um at least it got me eating more and being okay with like the edema and the extreme hunger and just not eating only clean and pure. And I was able to eat more processed and um, stuff like that. So then that just continued to open more doors of recovery and it just kept unfolding. So that part there, when you said um, that you were kind of kicking and screaming and you, um, but you got yourself eating then. So you did that kind of with a friend supporting you initially or. Yeah, it was a weird thing. Like I was living with my friend. So I moved to Hawaii cause I was like, you know what, if I'm going to be suffering, I might as well suffer in paradise. <laughs> so I had a friend and oh, also because I was like raw vegan and I was like, Oh, it's fruit paradise. I'm going to have an abundance of fruit to eat. And so I had this friend though that I didn't, wasn't, too close it was an acquaintance that I met there one time when I was visiting for fun and so I went and I lived and my car wasn't yet shipped there so I was like living in a van and but anyways so um yeah he just understood and he was like you just have to eat so um yeah he just um kind of was supporting like he you know he just opened my eyes like 
it wasn't, I didn't yet believe it at that point, but at least he um, opened my eyes and showed me. Because here's the thing, like, I was pissed at him that night because I could, I could actually sleep. But I thought that the food was just making me too tired and that it was toxic. And that's why it was making me tired. But really, it was just calming my nerves and bringing me out of that, like, um, my migration, you know, instincts, like you talk about. And, um, yeah, so ever since then, I, I didn't stay with him too long because I still tried to fight it. And I was in, like, that pseudo recovery for the next couple of months and still trying to go back to the clean eating and, you know, then binging and then, you know, trying to exercise. And so that went on for another several months, but I was still gaining weight and I got my period back and things were still improving. So, yeah, yeah. but like, as we were saying earlier, they improve in a non-linear way. And especially, uh, you know, when those of us that didn't have a huge amount of guidelines or anything, it's like, you're just kind of working. It takes, it takes failing and messing up to, for, to work it out what you need to do. Like it, yeah. Um, can't tell you how many times I cycled just from one diet to another diet, just being like, this will be getting me to eat more. But then it would turn, it was still a restrictive diet and it never actually worked. It still turned out to be too restrictive. And it's like, I had to go through all of them before I learned this doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I know. And then you go to like intermittent fasting. You're like, this is going to be it. Then you go to paleo. This is going to be it. Then you go to low carb and this is, and it's just like you go through all these things within your recovery. So it's like this prolonged pseudo recovery. And I see this a lot. It's like, okay, you know, I'm in recovery, but now I'm going to try this like low whatever diet. And it's like, no, you're still like restricting. <laughs> like, stop. Yeah. And it's like, I've done all of this. I've been through all of this. And I'm hoping that like you won't have to. <laughs> yeah. To someone else. <laughs> yeah. Because every time you just like, like you said, you can learn from every time if you choose to. But um, sometimes it's just like, if you keep going back to it, that's like the definition of insanity. Like if you continue to push on a door that does not want to open, it's just not working for you. You have to like come out of that denial. You have to be honest with yourself. Like this just isn't working for me just because it's working for Susie on YouTube or Joe on, you know, it like, or they claim to it's working for them. Like it's not working for me. You know, and just because it's a trend or it's a fad and everyone in the world is claiming that it's the most healthiest diet, if it's not working for you, like, it's not working for you. And plus, like, all of these fads, like, cycle. I mean, back in the day it was Atkins and now it's just ketogenic, but Atkins, like, it, that created a lot of problems for people. And then back in the day it was no eggs, like, cholesterol was bad for you and then it was, fat was bad for you and carbs were bad for you and... We just, if you always are following that, then you're going to be in that cycle forever and never going to just be free from that. Mm. And I think, though, that like a lot of people do get there ultimately because mm-hmm. they just go yeah. through and think, you know what I think is really, and I, I know for myself that it's, it's kind of dangerous, um, mm. is that I know that when I was vegan or mm. when I was whatever I was doing, paleo or gluten, whenever I was in, that little bit, and because my, my brain was still malnourished and very sort of black and white when you're a little bit more malnourished, it was like I would drink that Kool-Aid and be all over that diet. Like I would be shouting it from the rooftops that this is the best thing for you and I've never been healthier. And yeah. 
I, I think I probably actually believed it, or at least I wanted to believe it. I was trying to make myself believe it. And so I, I always worry a little bit about um, when people are uh, saying, oh, you know, like, I recovered on this restrictive diet, and they're still not fully recovered, and they could possibly just be in that stage where they've just drunk the Kool-Aid on that. And then, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, luckily, when I was going through all of that, like, blogging wasn't such a thing. And so... YouTubing certainly wasn't a thing. So I wrote a book about it in all afterwards, saying, like, these are all the mistakes I made. But I guess I didn't drag anybody else down with me <laughs> by, by creating a recovery of vegan or raw or gluten-free blog or anything like that, which, but anyway. It's so true. Yeah, you see that a lot. Um, I was just talking about that recently, like, um, cause people will continue to ask like, well, what about so-and-so like they're vegan and they're recovered or what about so-and-so like they don't eat, like they are still not eating these things, but they seem to be recovered. And it's just like, I don't know, like I was in that point and I just, I know exactly like how that feels. Like you're just in that. And like you said, like you believe it and you will preach it hard until the day you die until you wake up and you're like oh wait no this isn't working for me you but know yeah, what, you, actually, you know what I, I would have I I, I t really did believe and I would have told you and sworn blind that I could fully recover while still exercising that's what I truly believed yep. for a long time yes guess what that wasn't true <laughs> <laughs> yeah nope. no it's so true. Like I had to, I, there was a couple of times where I had to just completely give my body a rest. And then I was able to like, my appetite would balance out and I could actually have hunger and satiety signals. And, you know, like I thought that I was truly like feeling recovered, but like, I still had all of these starvation symptoms that I was not like, I was just pushing to the side, like, no, like I'm good. And it wasn't until you finally let go of that last thing, the exercise. It's so hard for people to ex let go of the exercise. Yeah, and we, you know, we're in a society that really supports the exercise, so it's it may, definitely makes it even more difficult. But so you, you know, you like you like all of us went through an up and down path, and um, how did that progress then to get to full recovery? Yeah, so I just like you said, like um, every time I would you know, try something new, <laughs> or I would feel like I was committing, there would still be something that I was going to have to let go of eventually. Um, so, you know, it was just a slow progression of letting go until I finally got to a point of like, okay, I'm seriously serious right now, I'm going to let go of everything. And that last thing was exercise. So, you know, um, that last, um, year of like the pseudo recovery before like real recovery it was first you know just allowing to eat whenever until like all of my extreme hunger and I was still like vegan and going back to trying to be raw vegan and going back between those things and then after that I would add in like eggs and then I would add in meat and then um, after that I was like okay well now I'm going to try ketogenic and then I was like fatigued and everything would come back and then I'd be binging and then I was like okay well now I'm gonna do intermittent fasting like that's sure to work and then I would do intermittent fasting and then I'd be binging at night and then I tried you know um paleo again but with meat this time because I tried 
you know, the ketogenic with vegan and I tried ketogenic with meat. And so I tried all different kinds of variations. I'm like, there has to be one thing that's going to be my golden ticket. And like, seriously, I had to get to that point of, you know what, all of this is bullshit. Like, I need to just have a balance. I need to find my balance. And I need to um, then after that, I did that for a few months and I was still exercising. And then I finally was like, okay, you know what? I need to not, I need to get rid of the exercise right now for a time being. And then after that, it was just after that slow progression of letting go of each thing and each dogma, because it's like a mental rewiring. It's a mental game after that. Like you talk about first, it's the nutritional rehabilitation and then it's the mental game. But so when, when did you sort of realize that you were actually, that something actually was changing, that, that you were doing something right? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, as you're going through recovery, if you stop and reflect, because some of the changes may be subtle and then you don't realize them until you really take a step back and you're, you're like, okay, wait a minute, look at where I am now and where I was a year ago. And you're like, wow, I feel so much better. I have more energy. My hair's not falling out anymore. Period. I had a healthy weight. I don't feel like I'm back, you know? And you start to really see like all of these problems were going away. So, you know, just um, that was, those were the signs. And then after a while, not having those binging or the extreme hunger anymore and um, not having the, the fears around food and not having the guilt around food and not having the guilt around missing exercise or, you know, um, so all of those things keeps you going. And then you realize like, wow, I have my life back. I have relationships back. I actually can be free. And so just keeping that in the forefront of the brain, it helps to just continue going when all of those mental thoughts come up telling you like, oh no, you should be doing this. You know, and you just got to stop shitting on yourself and just like go with what feels good to you. So, yeah. Yeah. And and now you work as a recovery coach. Yeah. And I have that and I have the course. And so I typically try to get to people like, you know, with the um, bikini competitions and um, the fad diet and all of that kind of stuff so I'm not in an area where bikini competitions are a big thing is that yeah. you you're obviously in an area where it's kind of a big thing yeah and back when I was doing it it wasn't a big thing people were always asking me like why are you doing that like that's weird and now you look at this the same town and now everyone's wanting to do it it's just interesting um I used to get ridiculed and then now everyone's doing it so but I do live in California, and there's a lot of aesthetic external appearances that are um, heavily emphasized or valued over anything. So, you know, external appearance, your money and your following. Um, yeah, very superficial. That's where a lot of the competitions are held in L.A. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um and so, so tell us about the course that you mentioned. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's like a compilation of having after gone through my experience and then now helping other people. 
it's just a broad scheme compiled into one place, one course of all this info of like the main tools that help you get through recovery. Um, you know, topics like binging and extreme hunger and body diversity and um, weight gain, healthy weight gain. And just um, if you have emotional trauma, dealing with those things, um, or if it's really just a matter of being patient and you need support and guidance and because every recovery is so unique. So, you know, there's not like a one way and there's different underlying roots and why we get into this. And um, so, yeah, it's so wide and varied. That's why there's also, I do like Q and A's to help. So like if one person's struggling, that answer may help another person. So it's like the group community type feel. That's so important in recovery is to have community. When you were in recovery, what's something that you you didn't have in terms of support that you think would have been great to have? Yeah, um, I think, well, because I didn't have anyone around me, so I did have to rely on the virtual community. So I, were, I was in different virtual communities. Um, uh, I, I honestly, that's why I'm just spreading the message is because what I wish I would have had is someone to tell me like, um, in the beginning when I was confused, just like, it's okay, don't fear your hunger, like, just go with it. And everything's going to balance out in time and to just be patient. Because that's a huge thing with people is the patience. Oh, yeah. just trust. <laughs> yeah. And, and often it's like, okay, well, I've been eating without restriction for a month now. Like, why aren't I normal? I'm like, well, um, it's going to take longer time than that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, people, yeah, they'll always come like, okay, it's been like a month or two. And like, you know, I feel like I should be, you know, I feel like I'm at a good weight now. So I feel like, you know, my weight shouldn't keep rising or I shouldn't be this hungry anymore or I don't deserve to eat this food anymore. And it's like, no, you, you can't determine that. Like your body is doing Yeah, you don't get to like, make that decision. And I also think like, well, have some compassion. How long did you restrict for? How long has your body been putting up with this? How long has your body kept going? And now you're like, it's been a month body and we should be done already. So what's taking you so long? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then it's in those times when people feel like they need to step in and then they start to exercise again or they start to you know, not eat till their satisfaction again. And it's like, no, you need to like continue to just keep doing what you're doing and be patient <laughs> or else you just sabotage all this work in recovery. <laughs> yeah. Uh, keep your poker, poker face a little bit, haven't you? It's, yeah. You've got to keep like, even if you don't feel that it's working, you've just got to pretend that you think it does and keep going rather than... Yeah sort of like crumble and take up exercise or restriction again yeah exactly how did you do that in your recovery how did you like because I'm sure those thoughts came back up like where you were a couple months in and you felt like you were doing something wrong did you feel like you were ever doing something wrong and yeah of course um if I if I make myself a, a rule or decide to do something I, I'm very single track minded so once I decided I'm not exercising for at least a year. I didn't exercise for at least a year. I can be very like um, 
I, once I've made a promise, I, I will follow through with things. And so, um, but I, I think that though the restriction, it's, it's, that was very difficult, especially when body starts to gain weight and got the recovery belly and things like that. But I was just, I, I guess I really was just done with it. I, there were definitely doubts and moments when I thought like I could just eat less and this would all go away, which wouldn't have happened anyway. Um, but I think that, I think that deep down I knew it wouldn't work. I think that I just knew that wouldn't work and that it would actually make me, um, it would just slow my progress. And I, I'm not entirely sure why I knew that. Um, maybe just, maybe finally common sense kicked in. Who knows? Yeah. After your brain gets some nourishment, I mean, the common sense can come back. Did you have support? Was your husband or do you have um, husband? He, he was towards the end, for sure. Um, initially, I didn't. Um, I, I think that though I was always incredibly opposed to even talking about anorexia, probably because for the most part, I like refused to believe I had it, but that's another story. But I think that that was just my bloody mindedness and stubbornness. That was the main, um, especially with family support. My family would have loved to have supported me, but I just was too stubborn and bloody minded to, and you know, it's been however many years telling them I didn't have anorexia so I didn't feel like it then suddenly be like yeah actually I do have anorexia <laughs> can you help me <laughs> so I didn't for a while but then obviously later on it's like the more and more recovered or the more nutritionally rehabilitated I got the more my brain opened up stopped being as stubborn and was able to ask for help so in the latter stages I was definitely asked to able to ask my um boyfriend slash husband for help and, and family as well and and I could talk very openly about it but when I when I was really sick I couldn't talk openly about it I just really was too much pride and too much fear I think there was fear as well I was worried that if I if I said I have anorexia like people would try and help me and I was scared of that so it's just a bit like one of this pride slash fear traps that I was really in that I absolutely regret and I think I could have recovered uh, so much faster and saved so many years um if I asked for help sooner that's so true and that's a huge thing I feel like is the pride and stubbornness and it takes so much courage to be able to do that because a big part of it too is I don't know about you but for so long I was you know you tout that this thing is the perfect way and the only way to health and happiness or fitness and then you have to say like oh no I was wrong right <laughs> um, and, yeah. yeah so I had to do that with the fitness and the bikini but then also with like because I was hardcore like raw vegan is the only way to health and healing you know and then you have to be like oh no sorry I yeah. was yeah yeah like you know how many family 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 gatherings so I sat there and lectured my parents because they were putting butter on their bread or something you know like then that <laughs> and telling them that they had to eat low fat and that the cholesterol was going to kill them and all this bullshit that I used to spout so it was it was pride of that being able to be like oh I think I need to eat more food and I don't know how, like how am I gonna yeah it just it was very difficult but Obviously only, you know, then I wrote a book called Love Fat, so I kind of had to come around to saying, yep, I was wrong, which it, everything like that, though, is, is it's really easy for me to say I'm wrong now. Whereas when I had anorexia, right, it was very difficult, that sort of thing for me. I was so stubborn about everything, always had to be right. 
I was pretty, I was pretty horrible, actually. I would not have been my friend, that's for sure. Me too. I look back and I, I apologize to my family. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I was obnoxious. I was, I was just like such a, always have to be right. I had an answer for everything. You can argue with me about anything. Uh, it's just like, no, I was no way. You get into an argument with me about like, is like maybe I can eat some fat or maybe all of this, I would just go on for hours I'd be able to throw every study at you in the world as to why you shouldn't eat that food or shouldn't do this or oh my gosh and who wants to be friends with someone like that no fun I was no fun like I was the least fun person ever when I had anorexia yeah I feel like too because I look back I was such a stickler for so many years and so like meh and then I feel like in recovery I was able to you know do you feel like this connect with your inner child again and get that silliness and playfulness Mm -hmm. back and then you're like, wow, I was so, like, such Stuck a... Up. Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Um, and, the, you know, the other thing that I love about working with people with anorexia is that I've never met a person with an eating disorder that wasn't really smart and intelligent. But also, yeah. they tend to have... And I do as well, I know. And, and um, people whom I work with tend to have a really great sense of humor. But it's sort of stifled when you're, in it, when you have, when you're restricting. And, and it really comes out as people get better. And people can be really damn funny. It's true. Yeah, let that out and reconnect with that. You know, it's okay. Like, don't take life too seriously. That's for sure. That helped me in recovery. It's like, wow. Yeah, and it's really hard not to do like that. When your brain is so stressed out, everything is a catastrophe. Every small thing, like, knock over a glass and the world ended. Whereas I think that when your brain relaxes because it's got full nutrition, like, it's just like... I know that my, my brain can deal with so much more, not get stressed. Yeah, like, exactly. Not the littlest things will set you off anymore. It's right. just like... Eh. Yeah, as long as nobody died, it'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. really great to talk to you. You too. Thank you so much, Oh, Tabitha. where can people find out more about you? Um, well, I'm mostly on Instagram lately and YouTube, just like damn the diets. And then... Um, my book, Damn the Diets, everything's just Damn the Diets. Damn, Damn the, the Diets. diets. <laughs> yeah. Love it. So, yeah, thank you so much, Tabitha. Yeah, pleasure to talk to you. Now, you may have noticed that recently I've been doing quite a few of these recovery stories, inviting people who have made full recoveries themselves to come on and talk about it. I think it's really important to know that it can happen. And the more people that we get talking about it, the more that we know that full recovery is absolutely possible. And full recovery is absolutely possible, and possibly even more possible, via the non-traditional route, aka eating lots of food, allowing your hunger to guide you through the recovery process, rather than just allowing somebody else who is not your body to dictate how much you should eat. Many of us find that if we listen to that mental hunger, and sometimes the physical hunger is there too, if we listen mostly to that mental hunger that's thinking about food the whole time, that our bodies are actually just trying to communicate and tell us exactly how much food that they need. And so recovery in many, many terms is about trusting that when your body is thinking about food, it's telling you it needs to eat food and that your body is going to be your guide through that process. And that doesn't mean it's not scary. 
<laughs> it doesn't mean it stops being scary just because you start to trust your body. No, it's still scary. And so getting the most support and listening to other people who have been through that process is just going to help you hang in there and keep doing the right thing and eating. So if you have a story to tell or to share, then hey, email me info at tabithafra.com and we can chat. Cheers and until next time, cheerio.